During this holy season of Lent, we want to acknowledge our need for repentance and for the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Christ. So I invite you, our church, to observe this holy Lent by self-examination and confession of sins, by prayer and fasting, by works of love, by reading and meditating on the word of God. Let's pray again. Almighty God, your son fasted 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted as we are, but did not sin. Throughout these 40 days, unseal within us the wellspring of your grace. Cleanse our hearts of all that is not holy and cause your gift of new life to flourish. Give us grace to direct our lives in obedience to your spirit that as you know our weakness, so we may know your power to save. Eternal God, your kingdom has broken into our troubled world through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. Grant your people the gift of your Spirit that we may learn to profess our faith with courage and announce with joy the wonder of your love. Help us to hear your word and obey it that we may become instruments of your saving love through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The title of today's message is Future Salvation. And if you look at today's text, it's important to see a little bit of the background. And we're going to do that by looking at chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And what we're encountering in terms of the context is you have believers in Christ in the midst of a special sad situation where their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ have passed away. And during this grievous time, they are struggling with hopelessness and despair. And what Paul is doing, starting with verse 13, is he's trying to assure these Thessalonian Christians. And we can see that starting with verse 13, where we read, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do have no hope. So this is the main point that Paul is trying to state in this passage. As he is in the midst of fellow people of faith, grieving over other believers who have died. So then this is the message of hope that Paul has for them. If you look at verse 14... It says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the Easter message. That's Good Friday and Easter. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This is the message of hope that we're seeing in this passage. And Paul describes this even more. He says in verse 15, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. By a word from the Lord. That we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is a message of Paul 
to these Thessalonian Christians. And what these Christians are struggling with is that at that time, in the Old Testament, there was much prophecy concerning the resurrection of all of God's people. And what these early Christians realized is that when Jesus Christ, when he died and when he rose again, they were wondering what happened to all the Old Testament prophecies where all of God's people are being resurrected. You only have Jesus, the one person, being resurrected. What's going on? And they became very anxious. And what we just read in this passage It's consistent with what we also see in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Because this is the assurance that Paul also gave in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In verse 23, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So Paul's message of assurance is that even though in the Old Testament it seemed like the prophecies were concerning, concerning the resurrection of all of God's people, what Paul is affirming not just in 1 Corinthians 15, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is that the Easter message, Christ's resurrection, he is the first fruits, meaning he is a foreshadowing of what all of God's people will go through. And that's the message of hope that's for us today as well. This future picture that Paul has drawn for the Thessalonian Christians is a picture for us as well. And we're going to see more in terms of today's text when we look at chapter 5. Because now Paul shifts a little bit because as he has given assurance in terms of Believers who have passed away, now he shifts a little, and now he's focusing on believers who are still alive. Those of us Christian believers who are still around, what is the message of Paul for us? And what we see in terms of chapter 5 is Paul is now going to speak about this concept of the day of the Lord. We see that in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destructions will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light children of the day we are not of the night or of the darkness so then let us not sleep as others do as others do but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night those who get drunk are drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation what we're seeing Paul doing now in terms of the first eight verses, is now that he has given assurance to the church in terms of what's going to happen to those Christians who have passed away, 
Now, following that theme, now he's transitioning to believers who are alive. And now Paul is focusing on this concept of the day of the Lord. And what Paul is doing is he's differentiating the believer from the unbeliever. And as he's speaking of this future day of the Lord, he's differentiating in terms of how the people of God, how we are different from those who are not believers. He uses various metaphors, day and night, awake and sleeping, sober and drunk, as a means of illustrating how are we to be prepared in light of the day of the Lord. Because the day of the Lord, in terms of the Old Testament reference, it's speaking of the future time at the end of history. When Christ comes again, and when the wrath of God will be manifested against all those who do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That is the transition that Paul is making from chapter 4. Speaking of the day of the Lord, specifically targeting believers. And how in line is this message in terms of the season of Lent that we're going through now? The day of the Lord. Christ to come again. But what ties this passage from the previous passage is what was read earlier by our sister, If you look at verse 9 of chapter 5, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. This salvation that Paul is speaking of is a future salvation. A future salvation that's consistent with what we saw in chapter 4 when Paul is assuring what's going to happen towards the end, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise. We who are alive, who are believers, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And what's going to happen is we believers will always be with the Lord. And it's stated the same way. In verse 10, we might live with Christ. That is the good news for the church. That's the good news for us. And what we're seeing again in terms of the Easter message is to obtain salvation, future salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 10, who died for us so that whether we are awake, whether we are alive, or whether we are not alive, dead, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. That's our message for today. This is how we tie together in terms of the the message of 
Good Friday and Easter. What we're looking forward to in the season of Lent. And what Pastor Peter had shared earlier in terms of the times that we're living in now. The crisis that we're facing through the coronavirus. Because what we see in today's text is that this picture of the future is not isolated from what Paul is encouraging believers to do. So when we see this picture of the future salvation before us, it's not for us to go away and just be totally close to what's happening around us. But in light of what's happening, in light of the, the fear, the terror of the coronavirus, in, ter- in light of the, the stressful times that we're living in, in light of those things, we are to look at what Paul is seeking for us to know. Because if you look at this text, this day of the Lord, and what it states here in verse 3, when people are saying there is peace and security, what Paul is trying to point out is that many unbelievers, they don't recognize the seriousness of how the day of the Lord is coming. But thankfully, by the mercy of God, when we go through crisis such as now, many of us, many non-Christians, they're not like what's being portrayed here. They sense the danger. But what the difference in light of this danger is what? The hope of future salvation, the gospel message, the message of Easter that sustains us, sustains us in the midst of all diseases, all tragedies, all the situations that we are facing in our world today. My hope and prayer is that in the midst of crisis, because this is a crisis, not for us to be complacent and blind, not for us to be in our Christian subculture and not engage the world, but this is our time right now as children of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, for us to be secure in Christ to acknowledge our fears, to acknowledge the dangers. But just as we will not dismiss the awful dangers posed by the coronavirus, as a church, as believers, we will not dismiss the dangers of the day of the Lord that faces all of humanity when the wrath of God will be manifested against all who have not called upon Jesus to save them. That's what distinguishes us. Because we are in the world, we are not of the world. And as we walk with Christ, in Christ, we are not in despair, we are not in hopelessness, we're not oblivious, we're not insensitive, We acknowledge 
the dangers before us. But we acknowledge all these things in our faith, in our relationship with Christ. And we do all these things, acknowledging the future salvation that awaits those who believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, who is stronger than anything that we can face. And that the crisis that we're going through now, by God's mercy, if it is a means for people to understand the awful destiny of those apart from Christ, then by God's grace, by God's mercy, let that happen. But also, by God's Spirit, by God's leading, let us be a church full of God's compassion and love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the world us, the church as well. He has given us, the church, the Holy Spirit, he has given us power in the midst of all stressful times and struggles that we're going through. So my prayer is that we as a church, that we recognize the times that we're living in, but we also recognize what God is calling us as a church to do. Let's pray. I just want to invite the worship team and as they come up. As a church, we're privileged to pray before the Lord. Because when we pray, God seeks to work through the prayers of his church. When we pray, God is not distant, but God is our heavenly Father. He's our sovereign Lord. And he hears our prayers. So as a church, let's use our privilege. Let's use our position to intercede for, for our city, to intercede for those who are already afflicted with the coronavirus. Let's pray for healthcare workers who are placing themselves at risk by caring for sick patients. Let's pray for the development of therapeutic medicines and vaccines. Let's pray for the Diagnostic testing to detect outbreaks so that the spread of the coronavirus pandemic will be slowed down. Let's pray for hospital beds, for ventilators, for other equipment to handle an influx of patients with respiratory problems caused by the coronavirus. Let's also pray that during these times, we as a church can offer the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are fearful. Let's pray. Come, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you have defeated sin and death. We thank you, Lord, that as your church, we have a hope of a future salvation. Father, empower us. Empower your church to share the hope that we have in you, Jesus. 
empower us to be strengthened by your grace, to be a steady people who are selflessly compassionate by the power of God and convict your church to not to be insensitive but to be compassionate to seek to intercede on behalf of our loved ones of our community of our city of our country of the world hear our prayers Lord Jesus hear our prayers oh God hear the prayers of your church hear us Lord Jesus hear us Lord Jesus hear us Lord Jesus we pray to you Lord we pray to you Lord we pray to you